You are listening to Stitchwish Radio, a podcast for crafting your own magic and threads. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. Hey, and welcome back to Stitchwish Radio. So today I want to just kind of scratch the surface on this idea of working with archetypes within our work, both in our artwork and in our personal transformational work. So this is based on an article I wrote in the community page for my online course, Magic Threads. And this course is all about going beyond the basics of learning how to stitch to creating your own embroidered works of art infused with meaning and intention. So to kind of ground this conversation, I wanted to start by reading an excerpt from my book, Mystical Stitches, which is all about making magic with your own embroidery. So in this little excerpt, I talk a bit about the power of symbols and the way that I envision these symbols work with our minds to help us create change in the world around us. Long before written language, our species learned to communicate through symbols. As children, we learned to identify images before we can speak. And when we reach for knowledge beyond our own culture, beyond our own language, symbols allow us to transcend these limitations of language. Imagery as the basis of our communication applies to our internal workings as well. The field of depth psychology posits that our brains work from two distinct areas, the rational intellectual method of the conscious mind and the less understood subconscious mind, which seems to run on more instinctual and intuitive processes. Our conscious mind may choose language as its primary voice, but as evident in the wild imaginal realm of our dreams, our subconscious mind prefers to speak in symbols of both personal and universal associations. Both the creative act and the desire to connect with higher powers hold within them the possibility for personal transformation. When we create mystical stitches, the line between our own creative essence and the greater creative essence of divine powers is blurred as we consider ways to connect these two experiences. By sparking our imagination with symbols that speak to the deepest parts of ourselves, we begin to stitch together a new world in which to exist. The creative process is not simply about what is being made, it's an entirely mystical process that teaches us how to move between the internal world of the soul and the physical world outside. All that is illuminated at the crossing of this bridge happens first in making a piece of art and eventually through the shaping of our existence itself. By allowing ourselves to engage with our own creative processes, we become more and more familiar with the process of bringing our dreams into reality. The divine meanings expressed through visual forms often travel across time and cultures as the essential meanings of many symbols shows up the same throughout the history of humankind. I don't want to simplify it too much though, because there are many symbols that mean different things in different specific communities, but we can see a whole lot of similarities when we kind of take a broader look at the way different symbols have been used. By witnessing the cycles of our galaxy and our lives on Earth, many ancient civilizations began to to notice greater divine patterns taking shape and influencing our existence. These divine patterns have evolved into studies such as astronomy, astrology, and to some extent biology, though the idea that there's a greater power acting through these forms was put aside within the past few centuries. These greater divine patterns are where correspondences come in. 
By working with images and forms that correspond to the feeling and emotions we'd like to bring about in our own life, we are acting upon the idea that all things are interrelated in this tapestry of existence. We can speak to our subconscious through the symbols in our immediate world and get the subconscious aligned with the conscious mind. So think of it like this. Our conscious mind is the tip of the iceberg. That's the space above the water saying, yes, I'd like to go that way. Meanwhile, the subconscious, the giant chunk of ice below the surface, is the rudder steering the ship. Our subconscious language, the underwater language, is one of archetypes and symbols. By creating talismans, which are condensations of meaning through images, we can show the subconscious which direction we'd like to go in the language that our subconscious understands. Our subconscious is full of archaic associations, which have likely been passed down through our ancestors in the same way that our physical traits have. The subconscious landscape of symbolic associations, our psyche, our emotional tendencies, our instincts, our intuition, this landscape might be quite similar to our ancient ancestors. We like to think of ourselves as like highly evolved past this sort of early man stage, but when you think about how many generations it takes for evolution to happen, we are very much still dealing with the brain of our primitive ancestors. For example, the anxiety that we experience for things that happen in our lives that aren't actually dangerous to us, but our body reacts as though we're being chased by a lion or something. This is how close we are to this ancient ancestor kind of brain. We can continue to access this part of our brain through working with symbols, images that travel throughout time and space, eternal and omnipresent. Imagine you're in a different country where you don't speak the language. If you try and ask for directions, words will fail you. But if you can pull out maps or pictures, you can get your intention across and move on with your travels. This is kind of how talismans work. They send messages inward to our deep internal desires and out to the cosmos, intertwined in a divine pattern. Accessing the depths of our subconscious through symbols requires a willingness to believe in magic, to believe in the ability to enact change and bring new forms of possibilities into being. Open yourself up to these realms by allowing yourself to believe the unbelievable, even if for just a minute. If you want to go deeper with exploring different symbols, you can incorporate within your artwork and learning about how these different symbols have been used throughout history. Be sure to get a copy of Mystical Stitches. It is available basically anywhere books are sold, but I highly suggest ordering from bookshop.org or even better, your local bookstore or your local fiber store. Make sure to ask them to order a copy if they don't have it already. We can work with individual symbols that hold importance to us. We can also work with systems of organizing symbols. These tools, these systems like astrology or the tarot, these are a search for information that comes beyond the five senses. It's kind of like a channeling or a bridging the spirit to the mind. They are activated by you yourself. It's not these tools, these tools like astrology or tarot that have power. These tools just help us define the power we wish to call upon from deep within. The tools are just systems of organizing. Astrology and the tarot are a way of classifying many facets of the human experience, not telling us what to do or how to live, but allowing ourselves to see the infinite potential we all have within. The recognition of these 
various archetypes living within us is kind of an admission of our multifaceted nature. It's an embrace of this idea that we are built up of many forms and many concepts. This is the opposite of dogma, of ideology. This is a self-led religion. This is spirituality that comes from within, much like I talked about when talking about mysticism in last week's episode. These systems of classifying archetypes provide us a language of interrelatedness, a reverence for the world around us. And it's kind of about understanding the cosmos as this representation or this mirror of the inherent order in nature. When we get in tune with the patterns of the universe, this can help teach us to also get in tune with the natural world around us and vice versa. Recognizing these archetypes within ourselves invokes a part of our psyche and brings it to the surface. Our subconscious realms are inherited from our ancestors, just like our physical traits. So the collective archetypes of stories and myth from hundreds and thousands of years ago are still very much alive in our bones. By understanding these archetypes and inviting them in for a conversation, we're able to bring their existence to the surface of our psyches. Let's talk about how we can act out or speak these languages of these specific archetypes through our artwork using corresponding imagery and design elements. So first off, what exactly are archetypes? In this context, in this discussion, archetypes are symbolic representations of greater themes. So think the healer, the mother, the romantic, the boss. Now, while we possess a multitude of archetypes, calling on a specific archetype when we need more of that influence can be incredibly powerful. Some archetypes are newer than others, and some have less relevance in our modern lives, yet still tend to live on. For example, the knight in shining armor. I've never met a knight. Have you ever met a knight? I don't even, I don't know what that is. Um, If you're interested in kind of exploring this a little deeper, Kim Kranz covers many different forms of archetypes in her Oracle deck called Archetypes, Um, but I highly recommend reading her take on the matter in the book that comes with the deck. There's like a really great introduction to it um, if you're interested in that. Richard Tarnas, who is a a cosmologist (laughs) who has done a lot of writing, um, really, really interesting guy, Um, he describes archetypes like this. For our present purpose, we can define an archetype as a universal principle or force that affects, impels, structures, or permeates, affects the human psyche and human behavior on many levels. One can think of them as primordial instincts, as Freud did, or as transcendent first principles, as Plato did, or as gods of the psyche, as James Hillman does. Archetypes, for example, Venus or Mars, seem to have a transcendent mythical quality, yet they also have very specific psychological expressions, as in the desire for love and the expression of beauty of Venus, or the impulse toward forceful activity and aggression of Mars. Moreover, archetypes seem to work from both within and without, for they can express themselves as impulses and images from the interior psyche, yet also as events and situations in the external world. Jung thought of archetypes as the basic constituents of the human psyche, shared cross-culturally by all human beings, and he regarded them as universal expressions of collective unconscious. Much earlier, the the Platonic tradition considered archetypes to be not only psychological, but also cosmic and objective, as primordial forms of a universal mind that transcended the human psyche. 
Astrology would appear to support the Platonic view as well as the Jungian, since it gives evidence that Jungian archetypes are not only visible in human psychology, in human experience and behavior, but are also linked to the macrocosm itself, to the planets and their movements in the heavens. Astrology thus supports the ancient idea of an anima mundi, or a world soul, in which the human psyche participates. From this perspective, what Jung called the collective unconscious can be viewed as being ultimately embedded within the cosmos itself. Thank you, Richard Tarnas. Um, If you'd like to work with an existing system and you're already into astrology and know a little bit about it, planetary archetypes are a wonderful place to begin your research with archetypes. There's abundant information on them, and for most of the planets, we can actually pinpoint and follow them in the sky. So, for example, one of my favorite archetypes to work with is the archetype of Venus. Um, I think especially as an artist, um, as a creator, and as a person who loves to garden. (laughs) Um, This archetype of Venus for me is really about bringing beauty and love into the world and seeing the different ways that these, this beauty and love can bring so much light into our lives and really just bring us joy. And that is why I love sort of channeling anything that, that has that creative force essence of Venus. I highly recommend reading the rest of the article that I just quoted by Richard Tarnas. I'm going to link that up in the show notes. So if you're interested in learning more, you really want to check that article out, um, especially if you want a better understanding of how astrology interacts with us, like ideas like free will versus determinism. He also does a really good job in this article of distinguishing between the perspective of astrology as causing events so this causation view of the planets pushing and pulling us and he brings an idea of you know let's talk about how it might be just more of a correlation than a causation or you know the planets are a reflection of greater cosmic movements that we're experiencing so the planets sort of as a representation of something greater i like to think of it as like the planets are the words of the poem they're not the greater feeling behind them they are just the visual um you know the kind of intellectual form that we can see and understand very literally that is representing something greater i recorded a video for my magic threads online course about planetary archetypes and how i use them and how what different planets sort of express through these archetypes and what kind of symbols we can use to help support these planetary archetypes so if you want to learn more about this be sure to check that out in the course anyways (laughs) so let's talk about what a correspondence is if we're going to work with archetypal correspondences what do i mean by correspondence we can best describe a correspondence as an object that holds similar meaning to or an object or an image that rhymes with the archetype we're choosing to call upon So we're able to start picking up on natural patterns around us and seeing how these different images and different representations will help us to describe different archetypes. Most all of our desires are reflections of greater archetypes, and most all objects draw to mind certain meanings within this spectrum of archetypes. We can then choose images and objects to draw nearer the influence of these archetypes by considering how this archetype would manifest in physical form. So for instance, an abalone shell, it's round, it's glistening, it came from the ocean. Um, So something like this would be a wonderful 
item for rituals per- pertaining to the element of water in the human psyche, emotions, love, this sort of underwater feeling. By creating artwork that serves as your appeal to a specific archetype, you're bringing their energy to life right in front of your eyes. You're literally manifesting the essence of this archetype. So what can we use for a correspondence magic? Anything you find that represents the essence that you'd like to call in. Through our rituals, we are speaking to the universe in the form of a metaphor, and the included material should be a symbolic reflection of the essence of our intention. This is why rose quartz is an indication of love. A white candle would be a symbol of clarity, and a spiky thistle would be a sign of boundaries. There are so many books on correspondences. Uh, Most of them are imperfect, but (laughs) as usual, the best way to figure out what is right for you is to get quiet and search within for your own metaphors for the objects and images you're choosing. We know so much more than we give ourselves credit for. When you are creating a talisman or an intentional embroidery, you are infusing a piece of art with your own energy. So creativity and your own personal associations are what's going to be most important here. Your personal power is what activates your work. So while reading someone else's connections can be very helpful and start to help guide us on our path, understanding your own connections is even more powerful. And as always, Don't get caught up in trying to get it right or feel held back by your lack of skills. This is art. This is creativity. We are allowed to express ourselves. We're allowed to experiment. We're allowed to try new things. We're allowed to maybe not, quote, do it right, but do it in a way that feels right to us. So how do I use these correspondences? Again, this is really up to you. This is the art form of it. This is the the creative part of it. You can add these images to the artwork you're creating, um, maybe considering how the colors and placements might influence or emphasize certain aspects. Um, You can also choose to use these images or objects on an altar or keep them nearby as you work. Maybe the artwork doesn't necessarily have to be a literal, literal representation of these archetypes, but we can start to channel it in different ways. This process is meant to be empowering. It's meant to remind you of your infinite capacity to learn and create. Use your imagination. Reference stories and myths you're drawn to or start to associate where certain parts of your life have parallels to their own sort of mythology or you start to find the mythology within your own life. Start creating your own stories and start rewriting these new stories. Give yourself a chance to be surprised by what you can create within a ritual and throughout your life. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Stitch Wish Radio. If you want to go deeper into expressing these themes through the art of embroidery and starting to widen your creative practice, be sure to check out my Magic Threads online course, which is open for enrollment until October 5th. You can check out the link in the show notes for more info, Um, but basically it is a three-week course where we're going to go into a deep study of 12 plus stitches and researching these many different variations of each of these stitches, all the ways they can be applied to your own artwork 
and also getting your artistic practice going through discovering inspiration and tools for developing your color palette, developing your composition. And there's also three live Q&A Ask Me Anything sessions. Um, the rest of the course is pre-recorded, so you can watch it on your own time as you wish, and you will have access once you've purchased the course, you'll have access to the course forever. So if you want to learn more about Magic Threads, be sure to check out the show notes. Um, I will be back next week with an artist interview, so you can look forward to that. And that is all. Thanks so much. Bye.